Welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So in this episode, we are unapologetically talking about what it means to just stumble through a childhood. So with this episode, I had one of my oldest friends ever. Her name is Kaylin McCabe, and we go way back to elementary school. Kaylin and I got a lot of shit for just being friends because her and I were literally just unapologetically being ourselves, and we gained such a very amazing friendship that I am so grateful for to this day. We reminisce a lot about our childhood past and some of the stuff that we went through. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic. Hey, Kaylin, it's so nice to have you on Shamelessly Unapologetic. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Of course, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. So for those of you who are listening right now, Kaylin is an old childhood friend of mine. We go way, way, way back to elementary school. And it's been kind of a really interesting ride um, with our friendship. There was one period where we sort of lost touch with each other for a little bit. I want to say maybe in, in the middle of college. And then it wasn't until maybe two years later, I guess when I was in grad school, when we picked things back up and we reconnected. And I was just like, how did how did we let this friendship like kind of fall through the cracks? I didn't know um, if you kind of knew what was going on, but like, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. Um, I think it's just, we were just going on with our lives and I was in college, you were in college. And um, I think when you, goodness, I think it was when you were in grad school that you were coming back for, a holiday or something where mm-hmm. we reconnected and had that brunch. Yeah, so it was it was like from God, we've known each other since like I was in fourth grade. You were in third grade, I think. OK, yeah, Um, that's when we truly had our friendship together. And then all throughout high school and then once college came to be, I think we just dropped off and then speaking to each other for Oh boy. Uh I feel like it was maybe no more than like two or three years. I feel like and it like was two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't too crazy long, but I'm really glad that we were able to pick things back up because it was just like Kaylin is such a good friend. Like, how did <laughs> how did we just like let this happen? <laughs> I, it's like, oh my god, Alana. It's like <laughs> we used to live in the same neighborhood together and now you're this huge content creator and i'm just like oh fuck <laughs> you're you're flattering me right now oh my gosh <laughs> like literally i ha- i spent literally all day yesterday just like thinking about like maybe i should start a youtube channel maybe i should do a podcast maybe i should do something with social media and i'm just like looking at you like ah oh, how do you do it <laughs> <laughs> you hey it's never too late to start content creation um you know 2021 is definitely going to be a really great year to create a youtube channel or a podcast not because like everyone's doing because everyone really is not doing it because it takes you know a lot of time and commitment to put your time and energy into all the content that you created so like the video that i uploaded today onto my youtube channel I went to that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I went to that neighborhood four times 
this month just to film that video. That's like how time consuming just one video can be. At least when I do like deep San Francisco videos where I'm going around and showing you what I'm talking about, that takes a lot of time. Sometimes it takes money depending on if I have to commute out there. Um, thankfully I've been able to like take the bus. So that's been a lot easier, but if I have to go somewhere out that isn't commutable by bus and I have to pay for an Uber just to get to that location, <laughs> but Hey, don't feel discouraged. It's never too late to start any kind of content creation. Um, I'm all for it. And, you know, I'm always here to help out with whatever I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's dive into our today's topics. Yeah. So one of the things that Kaylin and I wanted to talk about with our podcast, talking a little bit more about our childhood, because um, we people gave us a lot of shit for our friendship. But before we get into like our own experiences of bullying, and this is something that I never got to talk about in my bullying episode, because God, that could be like a whole podcast <laughs> in itself. Um, but I don't want to like, you know, make it an hour long just talking about the bullying stuff. But, you know, talking about just like the things that we w- happen within our childhood, good times, bad times. And then Kayla and I want to talk a little bit more about some dating experiences. And yeah, that's basically what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So yeah, so I think Kayla and I, uh, we became friends when, like she said, when I was in third grade, she was in fourth grade. So yeah, she's one year older than I am. I was, didn't it start off with us being in the same Girl Scout troop or was it another thing? Because I mean, like, yeah, living in the same neighborhood helped. And we were about 10 houses down from each other. I'm trying to remember if that's kind of how we got started being friends. Um, I think what really started it was with your trichotillomania. Um, Mm Because there was rumors flying around school that Alana picks her hair up for no reason. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay. And then I I was literally taught to go to the horse's mouth when um, stuff like that happens. So I went to you and I talked to you about it. And and you were like, yeah, I have this condition. It's, I can't control it. It's, it's something that I do. And I'm just like, okay, cool. And I was, I was nonplussed by it. So yeah, (laughs) I know if there is one thing that I absolutely love about Kaylin is just how nonjudgmental she is. She was a great friend. She still is a great friend. Um, But when I say was, you always had my back when nobody else did. And it always meant so much to me because when I was a kid, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I would always resort to like violence or something stupid that just would, you know, get me in trouble because I didn't know how to use my words at the time. And I but was yeah. shocked to, uh, to learn that. I was just like, I did not know about that about you. I'm yeah. Like, I'm so I don't sorry know. that you had to resort to violence in order to get your point across. I know. It's horrible. And it, I just, you know, I look back on it now. Um, and it's not to say that I don't regret it. I think there's some regrets there that I definitely wish I had handled better. But again, when you have a lot of social anxiety <clears throat> and you're going through a lot of mental health problems. It's very hard to kind of just, you know, deal with deal with the real world. And that was something that I struggled with. And yeah, so when I was experiencing my hair pulling, it had started mostly with like my eyelashes and my eyebrows. And I didn't pull out my hair on the crown of my head until maybe high school. But the funniest thing is I didn't know that 
I it was an actual condition when I was in elementary school. I mean, I was seeking therapy for it. My parents, they had no idea what to do with me. I probably <laughs> bounced around to three therapists when I was in grade school. And I didn't care. Like, I didn't mind going to therapy. I kind of thought it was fun in a way. It was just something new and different that changed my lifestyle and my routine. And I adapt pretty well to change. So having this kind of change in my routine didn't bother me. I actually liked the change. It was kind of something that I looked forward to, if that makes any kind of sense. But there was this one therapist that I had in fourth grade because I also struggled with the whole horse stuff. And even then, you still didn't give a shit that I was pretending to be a horse. No, not at all. It's just I don't think I ever I don't think I ever was exposed to that part of you at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know. And like <laughs> your mother is an entire story in and of herself. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's just like, okay, this is how you are. And I think I just wanted to be your friend more than anything. And I didn't have a lot of friends growing up or mm-hmm. I was friends with the wrong type of people. And it was, I didn't care. Honestly, I just wanted to be friends with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's why I really liked being friends with you. Cause you just, you didn't judge me and you just accepted me as just a regular person. And you even wanted to try to see like what you could do to help. And I will always just be forever grateful for you and just how you always stood by me. Do you, oh my God, do you remember when we had snow days in elementary school? Yes. And you're literally, my mother had like a bit of an issue with your mother because she wouldn't let you go sledding until three o'clock in the afternoon until all of the snow was melted. Like, you still had chores to do on snow days. Yeah. Just, I don't know why my mom used her kids as servants. I think my mom really hated being a homemaker. So she would put all of her responsibilities or what she thought would be her responsibilities onto her kids. Because we were old enough and we had the, the skills to, like, clean up. We were able to do that. But yeah, I think my mom, she was, as you know, she was a stay-at-home mom until all the way until I went to college. And I never understood that because even when she was a stay-at-home parent, she really wasn't there to, like, spend time with me. Like, when I would come home from school, like, she was around to, like, make snack. And I watched with, like, Pokemon after school. So she was around for that. But... Then after Pokemon was over, I finished my snack from getting home. I would go upstairs. I would do my homework and she would be tutoring people for three to four hours of the night. And so she was never around. And then by the time it was that was over, there would be dinner. And then she would also tutor more people after dinner. And I was just upstairs like watching TV in my room. And then I would go to bed around like what, nine when I was in at least in elementary school, maybe even middle school. So I just didn't see the purpose of her staying at home. I think it truly made her miserable. I think she was just kind of doing what society is supposed to like place on women that they're the homemaker. The dad is the breadwinner. And even my dad didn't really like pay attention to my sister and I, even my brother, when he was around when they were home, my dad would immediately go upstairs and take a nap before dinner 
after dinner, he would sit on his chair in my parents' room and watch TV until it was time to go to bed. Everyone was just kind of separated. Yeah, so having to do chores before I was able to go out at like in the middle of the afternoon, that was absolutely frustrating. Um, And I just never understood that. But I think it's just because my mom just truly hated herself and what she was doing. And she just needed a break to not do all the work. And she just made us do it. So I'm wondering if that is what had anything to do with it. I I could be wrong. I mean, uh, your mother is not a very emotional person. No. And I don't think she's not very emotionally intelligent. Um, But that's not to blame your mom. It's just a product of her upbringing. And Mm -hmm. like... I didn't even know that she got married before she actually met your father. Yeah. Uh, So that was. And that was a horrible story. I'm not going to get into like my mom's like marriage business, but let's just say um, that for her first husband was a piece of shit. Um, So I think that could have something to do with her kind of being the way that she is today. Again, I could be wrong. You know, my mom refused. Like I've tried to talk to my mom about like, her past and what her childhood was like. And she would just always say, there's nothing much to tell. And I, I just know that's bullshit. She's just, she just isn't comfortable sharing stuff with me. We just don't have that kind of relationship where she wants to bond. If she wants to bond with me, she wants to play a board game and <laughs> she always kicks my ass in board games, which is why I never want to play board games. With her she always beats me. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's horrible. And and then my mother is just like the most wonderful person ever. Yeah. And, like uh, my mother is. Uh, I love her. Uh, yeah. Mom. And I'm just oh, like, Mary. I get emotional. <laughs> mother <Yes>. Mary. <laughs> mother Mary. I love her so much. She is a saint in and of herself. But um, but yeah, it's just like just growing up and us being in band together. And yes. Oh, we got to talk about that. Yes, uh, yeah, we play clarinet together. <laughs> I was like, really... oh no, we probably. Oh my god, there's so many photos of us playing clarinet together. Sometimes you would come over and we would just like practice clarinet together because we were just these two dorks who love to play the clarinet. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and we started to like compare like pe- like our clarinet cases together to see which one was the smaller one. Oh my god, it was it it, it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, I mean, band, it's like I look back on middle school. There were some things that I really liked about band class, but the people in our band class definitely made it not so fun to go to sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like even what well, he lived in the same neighborhood as we did. Mm-hmm. And God, I had the hugest crush on him in elementary school. Oh, my God. Did you really? Yes. Like. The, I mean, when you're like six, seven, eight years old and you're just okay. to, like you're exposed to the different sex. It's just like, what what are these feelings? Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it got so bad that I would change my favorite color to match his favorite color. Oh, no. So oh, no. <laughs> if his favorite color was blue, mine was blue. If his favorite color was green, mine was green. <laughs> oh, no. So it's Girl. Just, and he, I think he played saxophone with us. He um, played a saxophone. Him and his friend, who passed away a couple of years ago, also lived in our neighborhood. Yeah, they both played the saxophone. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was 
those two got like how they turned out against us is almost laughable yeah where do we even begin with that so uh, let's talk about like these people that who lived in our neighborhood and that we had to share a 15 minute bus ride with because our middle school was kind of a bit of a trek from where we lived it's about like yeah. 15 minutes away and and plus with all the stops that the bus had to make and made the commute that much longer but mm -hmm. you had a so you had a different bus stop than I because you lived a little bit further down the neighborhood than I did. And our neighborhood had three different bus stops. I I, I never like understood it, but I guess it made sense um, yeah. for kids who can't walk that far. Mm -hmm. And you look you look back at it now and you're just thinking like this neighborhood's so fucking small. It <laughs> just pop us all in the back and we'll be great. I mean, uh, I mean, it was a little uh, I don't. I didn't understand the bus stop because literally our neighborhood is shaped like a like a, a horseshoe. Pocket. Yeah, it's like a back pocket. And yeah, so the first stop was at one end of one street. And then the second one was literally in the back. And then when the third bus stop was like the street that was in between, that was close to your house. Yeah. So it was, I don't know, but that was how it worked and but the two people that we lived with um in that long car ride my goodness it was took a lot out of us just to get through just the end of a very very long school day yeah i would say commuting by the bus was probably like my least favorite thing especially in the morning when i had to deal with this one girl and those two guys and it was big i think i want to say that's kind of who our bus stop was it was me the two guys and this one girl and they were all fucking horrible they were all the same age um if, i'm sure you might remember which girl i'm talking about and um, remind me because it's been a hot minute no, it's not ringing any bells, but continue. okay, no <laughs> worries, no worries. Maybe it's for the best that it's not ringing any bells. But she was just a very horrible person. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we were riding back to we were riding back home. And then this girl, whose name I just bleeped out, she was friends with another girl. And they were really rude. And I don't know if you remember this, but one of them threw gum in my hair. And <gasps> yes, I do remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah. They threw gum in my hair. And I remember I came to school. I went back home crying. I was showing my mom that I had gum in my hair. And I think you were the one to say to put peanut butter in my hair. So I tried that and I was just like crying as I'm putting <laughs> peanut butter in my hair. I'm like, why am I doing this? It kind of actually worked though. It did, it did um soften it or harden it up to where I was able to, to get it out. And I think she got in some sort of trouble with her parent, with her mom. Cause my mom is like that kind of person who will call parents to tattle. Mm -hmm. That's just what she does. And yeah. And then the worst part is that next morning we were forced to sit next to each other on the bus. Apparently, I think the bus driver found out about it as well. And the bus driver made us sit next to each other on the bus. And 
we were just trying to talk about what happened and it was so fucking uncomfortable because she was so fake and she's like oh you cried oh no poor thing i'm so sorry and i'm like bullshit you're full <laughs> you're of like shit sorry. you're not like, sorry you're, you're just, just sorry you got caught <laughs> exactly and you're being and you're just fake she was so fake she would always judge me for just me being me i cannot remember how many times this girl called me weird and people would i don't know if you remember this too but do you remember when people would call us lesbians for being friends yes oh my god yes god like i think that was in middle school when it was in middle school like when we were we had a bunch of classes. Well, we had band together. It was mostly the bus that we hung out because that was like the only time I got to see you because you were a year above me. Yeah. I mean, outside of band. Um, but yeah, that was really weird. But I was just like, whatever about it. I just really didn't care about a lot of things. I didn't really care about the social politics. I didn't really care about like a bunch of stuff like that usually huge teen movies usually like oh my god blank is going out with blank and mm-hmm. um this huge scandal of the seventh grade and it was just i i kept myself apart from that growing up with you and me just being so close it was i mean for our friendship it was it was great we had like the greatest time together but the people we that did we're just so judgmental about it. And I think it was just a product of their parents. And again, we grew up in a very <clears throat> conservative state and anything outside of like s- super Southern values and other stuff like that. It was like, again, the scandal of the century. So it was to be expected looking back on it um since again we were so close and people were like they must been they must be in lesbians together and i'm just like okay and that affects you how yeah so back then i know it was like so it's like being gay was a horrible thing even though i think looking back on it now people have obviously changed your perspective of things but i never had an issue with people who were gay or lesbian or whatever orientation they identified as and even until high school and people would always give me slack for saying there's nothing wrong with that um and i think yeah it had to do with like an upbringing from their parents and there was a lot of entitlement i mean we went to pretty predominantly white schools lack of diversity and inclusion and we came from very privileged white neighborhoods Yes. Um, Like, even now, like, our neighborhood is pretty much the neighborhood to be a part of. Like, because it has all the best schools and all the best teachers and, like, very prominent, very creme de la creme of the upper middle class area to be in. So, and I think it's still, it it still is like that. Um, But... We had a lot of privileges that a lot of people did not have. And those parents usually come from old money and old traditional values. So that's what they grew up with. And anything 
deviating from the norm was met with scandal and yeah rumors and other stuff like that so it was a little bit of, of a of a crazy sort of way like when you start to really think for yourself like around from like freshman to sophomore year in, in high school is when you really start to like really develop your capacity for like thinking for yourself and and that's why most te teenagers rebel against their parents is because oh my god i have a mind of my own and yeah now i can make and now i can make decisions for myself and as soon like as they do that they want to rebel against their parents and mm -hmm. their parents are like <gasps> like they they really think that their offspring is a reflection of them and in some ways that's correct because that's just revolutionary bias um so once you start thinking for yourself and like really start to question what your parents are saying to you especially when you had an education and you're developing your emotional intelligence as well as your like intelligence intelligence it's a process that was relatively stifled in the generation that we grew up with like we were 90s kids Mm -hmm, we were and, <laughs> proud of it but again the people that were already there and the people that and the children that grew up from that generation was really really again conservative like even the when my when my little sister was still in high school i think it was it was the election of obama versus mccain i think and people were like, okay, whose families voted for McCain and whose families voted for Obama? Only my sister threw up her hand to say that my mom and I voted for Obama. Mm -hmm. and everybody else was conservative. Yeah. It just really goes to show that, again, the neighborhood that we grew up with was pretty much old money, traditional values. We live close to a country club and stuff like did that. We, so. What country club do we live near? Uh, my sister used to work for them, like uh, CCV. CCV. That was like that was like twenty minutes away. That's like near U of R's campus. Yeah, and it's way out in the middle of nowhere. And my sister would know better than I do. But, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but again, yeah, we grew up in a very conservative neighborhood, and that con conservative neighborhood has money. So therefore, it's they basically use that to throw their weight around. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Um it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, long story short, just like a lot of the kids that we grew up with in our neighborhood. Some were okay, but most of them were just assholes. And as the one guy that you mentioned that you had a crush on, I think him and I had a lot of beef. And I, I mentioned this in my um, bullying video, but I this was in band class where I had slapped him across the face for him rubbing his ball sack in front of me after I had asked him to stop. And it's funny, I remember you messaged me and she was like, Alana, are you talking about blank? And I was like, yep, I sure am. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't believe that. I, I, oh God, the revelations that I'm, 
about our childhood that I'm, that I'm vicariously learning through you is just like wondrous and like, I had no idea this happened to you. Yeah. It's like little baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got in so much trouble for that. I got uh, in school suspension. I actually did get in trouble at home for that. I was forced to apologize to him because mm. he cried when I did that. Oh my God. He, you should not have apologized for that. You were just defending yourself. I know. That I was completely inappropriate. I know. It wasn't appropriate, but again, I could have, you know, not used my hands. I could have used my words. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, I that was the only way I knew how to defend myself back then. Um, I wish I could have learned to just seriously just walk away. My mom would always say, Alana, walk away from people. And I was like, no, mom, I can't just like walk away. It doesn't work like that. I'm in a classroom. I can't just walk away. But I get what she means now. I can literally just turn my head around and not give it any kind of attention. Because honestly, if you look back at it now, everything was very, very attention seeking. Even from the bus, people kept trying to get her attention. When yes. people say like, hey, Alana, hey, Alana, hey, Kaylin, hey, Kaylin. They were just trying to just get our attention because they were so desperate for attention and they thought it was funny. And I, I honestly feel so sorry for them. Um, I think one of the most annoying things that happened on the bus. I don't know if you remember this or not, but. So one of my favorite songs, it's still one of my favorite songs today, but especially back in middle school is Picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. And I remember those two guys and that girl would ask me, what's your favorite song? It was a really random question, but I said, it's Picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. And I don't know if they actually knew what that song was because it did play on the radio from time to time. Um, or if they thought it was dumb that that, or if they knew what that song was and they thought it was stupid that that was my favorite song. But Anytime a song played on the radio because our bus driver would play music for us, they would always ask me, hey, Alana, is this picture? Is this picture? Do you remember that at all? Uh, no, I don't. I, it's like in middle school, my mother took um, me by car to um, the middle school and, and I took the bus back in the afternoon. Um, so I never got that morning bus experience um it was even in the afternoon as well mm, again it's been a hot minute <laughs> it's all good it's all good <laughs> but it's uh, i mean the attention seeking and like they just wanted to feel important because i don't think they got that at home because again as you said like your parents didn't really pay attention to you and they just acted out of wanting to be seen um so it's again unfortunate that happened and you got a lot of crap back yeah. then that I wasn't aware of and it's just like that was so unfair and you were right to leave and never come back and if I were in your position I probably would have acted the same way yeah. absolutely the same way so yeah. it was unfair to you and that's again not okay it wasn't okay and now we're all moved on and now we're more mature because of it and yeah absolutely some of those people have died some of those people just aren't doing well and like you said we turned out better than them and 
it really is true. Um, my dad was saying all these people that bullied me when I was young, they're nothings now. Like, look at me. I'm a doctor. I am married. I have a great family, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just rolled my eyes at my dad and didn't believe him. But now looking back and seeing all the people who are assholes to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. So there were actually some things that my parents really were right about. There were some things that my parents were definitely not right about. But when it came to bullying, they they really were spot on about this. And I I really regret not listening to them more about that. Because when I have kids and if they experience bullying, you know, I'm going to tell them the exact same thing. I'm like, listen, I need you to just I need you to trust me because I was the same way where I didn't believe my parents. And this happened years later. And I really want to just like emphasize that it's never about you. It's always about them. Yes, exactly. One hundred percent. Yeah. So moving on from like the crazy experiences that we dealt with when we were kids. So when college came around. I think that was a really like weird time because I think there was a period where you and I stopped talking. I remember one time where we we were still like in communication, but it was very like low. I remember when I saw that Muffin had passed away and I remember I reached out to you for that because I know how much you loved that cat and and I loved that cat too. (laughs) I would ride my bike around the neighborhood a lot and whenever I would ride past Caitlin's house, Muffin was an outdoor cat. And Muffin would always come right up to me. <laughs> it's like she always baked herself in the sun and she loved every single minute of it. So, yeah, like she was always out in the front yard and just soaking in the rays. And she never really. Well, she did get into a little bit of trouble. But now that I understand cat, <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> she, she used to use She used to go around the neighborhood and kill little mice and little voles and bring them to our doorstep and of course we would punish her because we don't want to see that on the front porch when we come back from yeah. <laughs> doing shopping but it's just like it's the most like self-sacrificing thing that a cat can do is like you are literally an idiot and you do not know how to provide for yourself so I killed this thing for you yeah for you to eat and I'm just like that's the most heartwarming thing a cat can do for me now is to bring me a dead animal <laughs> But of course, uh, it's um, of course, Muffin's passed away, and um, I have, and, and like as soon as Muffin passed away, I was in college at that point. I, I remember, in, yeah. So I was, again, like I remember the day. It was April fourth when my parents called me to let me know that Muffin had passed away. So I went without a cat for two years until I graduated in 2013 from university and university is a whole thing in and of itself. It's another traumatizing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that was yeah. something that I missed out on your part was I never got to hear more about like your college experiences. And this is like why I kick myself for like having a gap period in our friendship. Cause there were I mean, so many things that I missed out on in your life that I could have been there for you. Oh God. It was, 
Okay, let's talk about college for a hot second. Um, okay. <laughs> so while we're on the topic. Um, yeah. So my parents, especially my mom, was like, you're going to college. You're going to college. You are absolutely going to college. There's no way that you're not going to college. So it's just like, okay, okay, fine, great. Um, so we went to tour VCU. I think um, we went to... Holland's University, which is the university that I went to, mm-hmm. and I think we toured one more. Um, oh, what was it? It was the um, really fancy one. U of R. U of R. Is okay. The that, <laughs> um, is the other one that we went to. But U of R was way too expensive and it was a private school and it was so expensive. <laughs> their, their tuition is way above the well I make now but anyway yeah. so the the one that I went to was um Holland's University and it was a small all-girls private school in the middle I, of nowhere too yeah I was in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and I have no idea why I chose the mountains um because I like the ocean better than the mountains but all the other Sorry, audio. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it was um, uh, uh, the community college. Um, James Sarge. Yeah, Sarge. The other one that we considered, but I was just like, I'm not going to Sarge whatsoever. Um, I just felt like I was better than going to Sarge. Um, so I went to Holland University and I wanted to do theater because I wanted to be an actor, which is a complete control like total opposite of what I did in college which was no theater whatsoever um and not not college but high school um so I went to college and um again university was such an adjustment period because I was the only person that went to Holland's University from our high school um so I wanted to do theater so I signed up for the theater program and department was run by the most oh god um i don't want to be disrespectful but he was just such a clown girl be disrespectful (laughs) we are unapologetic about our opinions here okay all right um so he was such a clown of a man and like um so like literally if you sat right next to him you would feel just how much of a clown he was like he just had the most jovial like out of the top energy like you would expect a clown to have Mm -hmm. and um again I wanted to do a lot of acting so I tried out for all the plays and even the musicals and stuff like that but he never ever chose me for any sort of speaking part after I expressed to him that the reason I went to this school was because it had a really great theater program Mm -hmm. and it's and it still does and I'm just like how can I get the acting experience that I need because I want to be an actor, but you're not casting me in anything? Mm-hmm. And his response was, that's not how theater is. That's not how theater is. Which I understand to some point because it is theater and you're trying you're trying to um, tell a story through actors and making making sure the actor fits the part and stuff like that um but it was such a slap in the face that i had to 
learn how to act essentially by myself in college. And it was so unfair. Like I realized that the director played favorites and he always chose the pretty girls Mm -hmm. and I had an eating disorder at that point and that only exacerbated the issue. So um, I was just trying to mold myself into what this director wanted of an actor. And the only thing that I got back from him was a medium-sized part in the um, a children's touring show that I had. And that was the only... That was the biggest part that he had. It mm-hmm. was either that or um, I always on, was on costume crew. And I'll talk about Ophelia in a minute. Um, I was on costume crew, prop pr- crew, or just basically just techie, being a techie. And and when I did get a part on stage, I either didn't talk or I had one or two lines. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I was grateful for what I had, but it was just, it wasn't enough for what I went to college for. And I'm spending all this money to learn how to act and I can only act through my classes. And I just, it didn't feel like he did by, he did right by me by doing what he did. Mm -hmm. So the biggest experience and the biggest slap in the face was when we did a show called Ophelia. And Ophelia was a originally a collection of poems about a biracial woman in the Deep South who was trying to make it in the world. So um, she eventually... Um, joins a brothel and the entire play is about her being at this brothel and Mm -hmm. being a prostitute. Sounds like an interesting story, actually. It it is an interesting story, but this show was supposed to be a super simple 100 Q show. Super simple, like a high school play, Mm -hmm. nothing too technical. That, that 100 Q's, burst into 500 cues so five times the work and i um got put on to costume crew and that's what i usually did if i wanted to be a part of a production was that i did costume crew this costume crew was only comprised of maybe four of us and after every show, we had to do the costumes. We had to put them through the washer. We had to put them through the driver. And we also had to iron them. And this show was three hours long. So from 7 until 10 o'clock, that was the show. And then right after, the costumes had to be washed, dried, and ironed. And there were maybe 15 to 17 people in this show. And this had like chemises. This had full on linen um, costumes. It had the whole shebang. There was a lot of costumes Mm -hmm. and a lot of very intricate costumes that had to be pressed a very specific way. 
So from, again, 10 o'clock at night up until 1 or 2 in the morning, we were doing costumes and making sure that they were done. So that was just a lot of waiting in the theater. Like we had maybe 10 shows of Ophelia um, throughout this time. And you know what? We got it done. It was abusive because it was neglectful. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as people were done, they were out the door, which is, Again, I don't blame them. They don't want to be at the theater for more than long than they have to. Yeah. It's just like they really didn't understand the amount of work that the costume crew had to do in order to make the show run. So it was really such a slap in the face that we didn't even get a thank you from the director. That sucks. That's really shitty. Oh, my God. It was just the most neglectful thing. It was the most abusive thing that I ever had to go through. And it was, I almost had a breakdown. I really wanted to have like a full on breakdown, but I was just so emotionally exhausted at that point that I didn't have the energy to. And then on top of that, that show got entered into a regional contest. So for the first two weeks of classes, we had to get an excuse when classes started to go down to like Atlanta, Georgia to present this show to a whole bunch of people when I didn't want to do it because I had such an awful experience doing the show, but I was one of the only people that wanted to do it. And we were essentially forced to do something that we didn't do. Like I didn't want to do. So it was really a traumatic experience and yeah. college was a whole traumatic experience in and of itself. And it was only until recently that I paid all my student loans off. Well, congratulations for that. <laughs> Thank you. Oh God. I graduated with like $84,000 in debt Damn. for something that I essentially didn't want to do in the first place. Um, Cause I really didn't want to go to college, but I, did it because my mother wanted me to and the only reason the only thing that I really did get out of it was a degree so employers would think that I'm employable yeah and that's really not the case anymore just because you have a degree doesn't mean that you're now qualified to do work at all maybe if like you're trying to do software engineering a CSD and a CSD a CS degree is required for something like that because you really do like learn a lot of coding skills and everything like that so some Mm -hmm. degrees are relevant um especially in a master's program but other than that like a lot of bachelor's programs don't equate to proper training or job skills at all yeah exactly like i got my degree in theater i work in insurance right now yeah that's the hardest (laughs) thing that you can possibly ever do with theater. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm now doing voiceover on the side as a side business. That's awesome. Uh, so that's why I have my super professional microphone. <laughs> the closet. <laughs> but so that's what I'm trying to do is like, I want to be a voice actress now. And yeah. so I'm working toward that goal with like, well, vol- not really volunteering anymore because I was voice acting since, 
2006. So it's a long been, time. Yeah. I've been going at this for 14 years now and I'm just starting to like get paid for my skills and stuff like that. So I think just the biggest slap in the face that I can give Ernie right now is for every role that he didn't get me, the roles that I'm getting now are propelling my career forward in the way that he didn't. Amazing. That's so, incredible. I've always wanted to play um, a character, like a cartoon character in voice that I, I've always thought that was such a cool thing to do. Um, there's a YouTuber that I watch who always wanted to voice a character. So she worked with somebody to make her own three-part animated series of herself where she got to voice herself. And I'm like, hey, I'm glad you got to make that happen. I think that's really dope. Um, And I think it's really awesome that you're doing voice acting because again, that is something that I would like to try once in my life is to just voice like a cartoon character in a show or in a movie in some kind of way. It's It's so much fun to do. And as soon as I get to a place where it becomes my full-time job, then my ultimate goal is to be the official voice of a Disney princess. Hell that yeah. My, that's my ultimate goal in this entire career is that I want to voice a Disney princess. That's a great goal to have. A very hard goal, but definitely something, you know, if you work very hard for it and, you know, you build up your portfolio, you can totally do it. Yeah, that's what I've been doing out all throughout quarantine is that like I literally at the beginning of this year, um, I hired a life coach to okay. awesome like like get my life in orders. Like I need to have somebody push me in the direction that I need to go. So I looked up like image consulting and I found this image consultant like okay, maybe she can help me. And she just turned out to be an image consultant. She turned out to be a life coach and she forced me to do a bunch of things to push me in the right direction. And it was wonderful. And um, now I'm increasing my portfolio so I can send that off to agents. And then as soon as I get an agency, then auditions will come to me and then mm-hmm. I could just grow off from there. So that's what I'm doing at the current moment. And then with quarantine, I work from home now. So plus I'm so efficient at my job. I can work for 45 minutes and I'll be done for the day. So oh, all wow. this, <laughs> yeah, so I'm really, I'm really good at my job. So I have all this extra time to audition for projects and mm-hmm. um, again, get myself out there so I can be profitable and be, run my own business essentially yeah absolutely i totally support that all the way and and i really hope that works out for you because you definitely have that character um that like that like you, you know how to like be a character you know how to like change your voice and you have such a really awesome personality and i know you watched you and i watched a lot of cartoons together growing up yes, so we did. Yeah, it's like we were very exposed to kind of how cartoon characters sound and everything like that. Yeah, so going to bring that to the next generation. I love it. I love it. So we are running short on time, but I know we wanted to talk a little bit more about the dating stuff. So I'm curious to know, how has dating been like for you since you've graduated? I know you date women. Um 
I'm kind of curious to know some of the crazy like female dating stories because I hear it from like all my gay friends on like how men are with other men. But I don't really have a lot of like lesbian friends who have like any stories to share with me about this stuff. Um, okay, so I, again, I have haven't had a lot of. Okay, let's just start from the beginning. Okay, so back in high school, I dated a woman named Sarah. I think mm-hmm. she was a year ahead of me. We were only together for like a month. She again was ahead of me. I think she was a junior when I was a sophomore and she was she was taking Japanese class. So the extent of our friend or relationship was me doing her Japanese homework. <laughs> because I I took that um when it was first offered. I so remember. I bas- yeah, so um I took that and since I was a year ahead of her, I knew everything that she was learning at the current moment. So I just basically did her Japanese homework for her. And that was the extent of our relationship. We never really hung out outside of school. And she broke up with me because I was too clingy. Oh, no. <laughs> so I have no idea where that came from. Um, so that was that. And then the next relationship I had um, with a woman was someone I dated in university. We were in film class together. We took the same film class. And her name was... Well, I think... No, I'm being disrespectful. Um, They came out as non-binary a couple years ago. So they... um, They... um, had a crush on me. Mm-hmm. So that was a very new experience that another person had a crush on me and they wanted to date me. And I'm just like, why would you do that in the first place? Um, <laughs> because I was a very unattractive child. Let's just put that out there. No, um, stop. <laughs> I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I have the freaking school pictures to prove it, lady. It's um, okay. I was unattractive too. <laughs> yeah, we both had a major glow up. We um, sure did. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> they reached out to me through a mutual friend and um they asked me out. And I was just like me being the Libra that I am, always wants to be in a relationship because love is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't even like them back to be honest. I just wanted to be in a relationship. Oh no. Um, <laughs> so That's where I you went it. wrong already. Yes. Yes. Oh my god because I I mean I did a whole bunch of like reflecting on my, all my past relationships like the single common thread is that I get into these relationships for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> so anyway, um they reached out to me. We got into a relationship. Most of the relationship was through Facebook Messenger. And then they invited me to meet their mother at one point because I think they lived in West Virginia and I was still in college or university. And it was like a two and a half mile drive, uh, not two and a half, two and a half hour drive from here, um, from university to their house. So it's just like, you know what? It's great. I have a car. And yeah, let's let's do it. Um, so I went up there and I met their um, mother and their two dogs, and they were completely sweet and very 
accommodating and she started to um they really started to um really reveal themselves to me it's like mm-hmm. they really loved the macabre like spiders dead things a whole bunch of horror stuff and i'm just like okay i mean that's if that's what you're into then that's great um no judgment on my part because that's not me so it doesn't affect me um so and then she was just um they were like um they held they held up a picture of a really scary looking spider and i was just like okay this is the person you fell in love with and Literally at that moment, at that point in time, I was just like, I'm not in love with you. So very clearly, like, I'm not in love with this person. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we just got to talking about our future and she, um, they were this really avid travel person. She, um, they wanted to travel everywhere. Yeah. So, and I'm just like, I'm a homebody. I do not travel well. Yeah. I wanted to visit like. 19 different countries and i'm like i'm okay right here i am perfectly okay just like there's only three countries that i want to visit yeah that is, that is japan england and ireland and that's it yeah. everywhere else is great fine you can have it to yourself um so we broke up because we wanted two different things mm-hmm. um, and that relationship only lasted a month Next relationship I had with a female was with a person whom I will say, what's a good name? Was this the girl that you were still dating when we got brunch and she wanted, yeah, I was going to say you were in a very long relationship with her. We were together for five years. Yeah. It was a really long time. So tell me what when ended up happening that led to y'all breaking up? Because I know she wanted you to move in with her and everything well, like the, that. Um, the, what happened was we both wanted to move down to Texas together. Yeah. So um, the plan was for them to raise up enough, raise up enough money to... Um, come down here so we can live off our savings until we both found jobs down here. And at that point, she only had a part-time job and she was looking for a full-time job. And um, she eventually came down and lived with a friend of ours that also lives down here. And while she was down here, she was also looking for jobs. Two months went by, still nothing. She makes the decision to go back home. Mm-hmm. And that was a devastating blow to our relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I tried to support her in every aspect of the entire thing, but she didn't allow me to do much. Um, because when I think back on it, our relationship was more of a mother and child than it was peer to peer. Yeah. I paid for everything in the relationship, any major thing. Like mm-hmm. when we went down to um, a 
friend's wedding that we were both in, I was a bridesmaid. They were the man of honor. Um, I paid for all of, and plus it was a destination at Disney World. Um, mm-hmm. So I paid for all of the all of the Disney World's um, tickets, the the hotel, the whole shebang, because mm-hmm. I was the only one that had money. Yeah. Uh, so um, they paid for what they could, and when they went back to um, where they live and back with their parents, it was a very devastating blow. Because because I had so much faith in them to do what needed to be done in order to have this relationship go to the next level, which is move in together and see if we can stand each other for more than a year. Um, but she was the one that called me a month before our sixth year anniversary to say that she wanted to break up. And at that point, our relationship was just deteriorating. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't fun anymore, but it was just a whole lot of waiting in order for her to like take responsibility for being an adult. And she is an adult now, so she needs to take care Mm -hmm. of herself and make money and like, Again, she had a job, and but the job wasn't paying her for what she needed to do. And it, most of it was like her just wanting somebody to take care of her. Yeah. And that's not how a relationship should be. No, not at all. And I'm just like, I was the one basically pushing her in order to be an adult. And when I first got into a relationship with her, um, she was fresh out of culinary school. She only went to culinary school for one year. Mm-hmm. And um, she dropped out because she was literally feeling suicidal. And I respect that. Um, but then there are loans associated with going to school. Yeah. And she was defunct on those loans for nine months. She didn't even know that they existed. Oh, well, she no. knew that she knew that they they existed, but she didn't do anything about it. Like mm-hmm. so, she like her credit was smashed. Um, but now she's taking care of it because that's what adults do. Mm-hmm. And like she didn't have a car, she didn't have a driver's license, and she didn't have a job when I when I first met her, and she was well incapable of getting a job and getting her driver's license and stuff like that. So I literally had to push her out of being a dependent child into being an adult over the course of a summer. Like you should have your driver's license by the time you're able to get a driver's license and you should be able to have a job when you're able to get a job. So it was just like a whole bunch of like coaching her And, like, again, being a mother to her in order to become an adult in how the world works. Yeah. So, um, at that point, when I, when we got on this same level, it's just, again, she made less than I did. And I had to pay for everything. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. So, I just told myself in the next relationship, I'm just 
not going to allow myself to be financially abused like that again. Yeah. Good for you. And I mean, I think it's important that, you know, you learn from that. And I'm really sorry to hear that it became so toxic and that it was more of a mother-daughter relationship and not a partner-to-partner relationship where there's a balance. And she was just way too dependent on you. And again, that's not how a healthy functioning relationship should be. I guess, you know, it probably is for the best that you guys split because you deserve better than that. And you deserve to have a partner who is able to support you just like you're able to support them, not necessarily in a financial sense, but just like on an emotional level on a physical level, mental level. Yes. As soon as um, I broke up with her, I had this revelation of, I need to work on myself. I need to figure out what I want in a partner and I need to become like more reflect um like more feminine in a sense that I need to know what am I trying to say? Become more feminine in the way that now I just want a man. I want a husband now. Um, because I was always and will be bisexual, but I yeah. just, um, it's the way that this world works is that men make the most money and men will always make the most money because that's how it always is when it shouldn't be, but that's how it is. So I just want a, a husband to take care of me so I can take care of them. And that's what I want is yeah, having that balance between the two. Yeah, exactly. So they can be the masculine one. They can be the breadwinner and they can take care of the family issues. So I can take care of the home. I can take care of, I mean, I don't want kids, um, but I can take care of the multitudes of animals that we will have. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a homemaker, you know, as long as you want that for yourself and it's going to truly make you feel like you're living a fulfilling life. I I have no judgments. The only time I have like an issue with the trad wife movement is when they're doing it just because society is telling them to do that and they're actually fucking miserable. But like, I mean, if someone wants to be a trad wife or they like want to be a homemaker or whatever, you know, as long as they're happy and they're not in a kind of toxic relationship, I have no other room to speak on it. Okay. Do you? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if it if it makes you happy and you're not harming anybody else by doing it, then more power to you. Exactly. Well, I think this is probably a good place to wrap things up. I I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like there were a lot of things that both you and I like learned from each other after like all of these years of our friendship. Um, And I think like, you know, a great um, theme with this podcast episode is just like the importance of personal growth and growing old with someone. And like, (laughs) it sounds like so cheesy, but it's like you grow up together and you reminisce on the past and just learning how much you've like changed and how much you've like overcome and being able to still share that experience together many years later. I know. It's just like when we get back together, it's like our, our friendship is, we can always finish a conversation, then 
seven years later down the line, we could just pick it right back up. Exactly. And I think those are the best kind of friendships to have. Yeah, Kaylin, thank you so much for being here today. It's been so much fun having you on. Um, For those of you who are listening and want to hear more from this podcast, feel free to give us a follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever platform you're listening to. And if you have any shameless, unapologetic experience that you want me to share before every episode starts, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com and follow the podcast cast at shamelessly unapologetic and with that i will see you next week with a brand new episode bye